Listen, for the month of March, we're talking about the sacraments. We're taking a subject, a foundational subject, the sacraments. The sacraments are communion and baptism. Really quick, I wanted to tell you that the word sacrament in both Greek and Latin, which were the, the main languages of Rome, the Roman Empire, the empire that was ruling Israel during the time of the New Testament, that word sacrament is translated mystery. It's interesting. It's translated mystery. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul asked the people to pray that God would uh, help him clearly and boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And so think of it this way. Every time we take communion, every time we witness a baptism, we are, one, we're obeying Jesus. You guys remember in Matthew 26, he said, this, is, this bread is my body, eat it. This wine is my blood, drink it. And then he says, do this to remember me. It wasn't a, it wasn't a suggestion, it was, it was a command. Do this to remember me. And then in Matthew 28, one of the last things he said is, you guys, you need to go and you need to make disciples and you need to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so every time we witness a communion uh, or do communion and witness a baptism, we are obeying Jesus to think two things that he really commanded us to do. And he commanded us to do a lot, but these are two specific things that he commanded us to do. And we're also declaring the mystery of the gospel. Last week I told you that Catholicism teaches that there are seven Sacraments. I actually read this week that Roman, the Roman Orthodox Church actually calls those sacraments the seven mysteries, okay? Because that's what the word sacrament means. It means mysteries. I personally don't care what you want to call it. If you want to call it sacraments, you can call it sacraments. If you want to call it mysteries, you can call it mysteries. But what I do want to say is that I believe that there are two sacraments, communion and baptism, that Jesus specifically tells us that we are supposed to do as part of the rhythm of our spiritual walk, walking with him. And um, if they were important to Jesus, right? If they were important to Jesus, how could we ever have the mindset of, you know, oh, well, they're just, they're, sounds like they're gonna be doing communion at the end of the service. Let's go ahead and slip out early. We don't wanna have that mindset, right? We wanna participate in that. Or, oh, yeah, I heard next week they're gonna be doing baptisms. I tell you what, let's just skip that week. Let's go, you know, to the boats and we'll go back the weekend after that, you know, or whatever. That would really be bad, boats versus baptism. But you can't have that mindset. The sacraments are meant to remind us of the mysteries of God's salvation and grace. And I don't know about you guys, but I need all the reminders I can get. Can I get an amen in the house? I also read this week that the word sacramentum was used for the oath of allegiance that Roman soldiers made to their emperor. So the oath of allegiance that the Roman soldiers made to their emperor was called sacramentum, which is where we get the word sacramentum. And so, I mean sacrament. And so the early Christians, listen, this is interesting. Early Christians considered communion and baptism to be their oath of allegiance to Jesus Christ. Man, that means something, doesn't it? I never thought about communion and baptism as a public oath, a way of saying that I, my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. But that's what the early Christians considered the sacraments. They were important then and they're important now because they're foundational uh, to our faith. Last week I talked a little bit about communion um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about communion 
um, in a couple of weeks. But tonight I want to talk about baptism. If someone were to ask you, so baptism, what's, what's the whole baptism thing about? Okay, I want to give you a verse that I hope you already have memorized. If you don't, you need to memorize it regardless of if someone ever asks you about baptism. And that is uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to quote it. It's already on the screen, so never mind. Look what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Memorize it. If someone says 2 Corinthians 5.17, what does it mean? What does it say? You should be able to say, well, anyone is a new creation, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And he says, behold, saying behold is like saying, look, listen, it's kind of like saying, dude, the new has come. What a powerful verse. Okay. So let me ask you a question. He says, the old has passed away. When do we use the words passed away? Right. When someone passes away. See, I just used it. When someone passes away. When someone dies, we say, oh, so-and-so passed away. When someone dies. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says that we were dead in sins. Like while we were living our old life, I was, I was spiritually dead when I was living my old life. We were dead in sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says, but now we consider ourselves to be dead to sin. Okay, you see the difference there? Now we're dead to sin and he says, but alive to God in Christ. We were dead in sin, but now we are dead uh, to sin and alive in Christ. I was thinking about my life just a little bit. I got little memories, little glimpses, and I was like, ah, I was a professional sinner. <laughs> I realized it. I think there was a few times I even made money off sin. You know what I'm saying? Some of you have too. Some of you are like professional. But listen, Tony Herring was jacked up. A mess. Some of you knew me before I was saved. And you're like, jacked up ain't even in the, it's not even a, the strong enough word. But listen to me. That person is dead. That life has ended. Even the enjoyment of that sinful season is gone. You hear what I'm saying? You remember how we used to love the stuff we were doing? I mean, come on, it's fun, right? It's just not, you're not supposed to do that. Why? Because it leads to death. We hear it all over the scriptures. That life is gone. That season is gone. It's kind of like in the movies when someone is so offended at how someone else acted and they point to them and they say, you are dead to me. You know, have you ever seen The Godfather? How many of you have ever seen The Godfather? He's like, you are dead to me. You know what I mean? That's what it's like. When we look at our lives and we recall or we think about that stuff, that's what should be happening in our lives. When our sin, when our old self creeps up, when the way that we used to think or the things that we used to do come up, they should be so offensive to us now. They should be disgusting to us that all we can do is look at those things. They come up and we point to them and we say, you are dead to me. Seriously, though, we, that is a practice. We, if you need a practical way to deal with your sin in your life, you can say, you are dead to me. Lust, let's get real. You are dead to me. Fear, insecurity, anxiety, you are dead to me. And roll your R. The more you roll your R, the more that sin will flee. You are dead to me. You know, you can follow up with a roll. Sin's like, all right, I'm going, you know. 
It should be offensive to us. Let me go ahead and give you this whole sermon in one sentence. Like you know I like to do. If the old me is not a dead me, then I'll never become the new me. Write that down, tattoo it somewhere on your body. If the old me is not a dead me, then I'll never become the new me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The title for this sermon tonight is The Newness of Life. You can write that down too. The newness of life. If the old me is not, is not a dead me, then I'm never going to become the new me. How many of you want to become the new me? God forethought a new you. Believe it or not. You can't see it. You're in the thick of it. But God, since the beginning of time, before you were ever born, while you were in your mother's womb, he knew the new you. Now all you got to do is get to know the new you. Amen? Amen. So when you think of baptism, here's what I want you to think of. I want you to think of transition from old to new. Okay? So grab that in your mind. Transition. Baptism. Transition from old to new. And the old was restrictive. Okay, the old was, was tight, like you couldn't really move. You hear what I'm saying? You get that picture? The old kept you from being and doing what God has always meant for you to be and do. But the new has come, and you've been set free. I thought it was interesting that freedom was a word during worship tonight. I was like, <laughs> because that's what's on my heart. I believe it's what's God's heart for you tonight. The new comes, and you've been set free. There's more than enough room. And now you have the ability to be and to do more than you ever thought you could do. My middle son, Cannon, recently um, ordered a new pair of rollerblades, okay? He had outgrown his other ones, okay? And uh, he was in a, a size, he, his old rollerblades were a size seven, but that dude's a size 13, okay? It was crazy because he ordered those things, he ordered a size 13, it said it right there on the, on the order slip. He ordered the 13, and they sent him, you'll never believe it, a size seven. I thought, the devil is in this. They did, didn't they? They sent him a size seven. We're like, what? It said 13 plainly on the order form. So we sent it back and they sent him. It was crazy because they sent him uh, a new pair. But in the shipping, it said that they, they sent another size seven. But we called and, and uh, they didn't. They said a size 13 this time. But listen, he was so excited to get those new rollerblades because he was still Skating. And I, listen, I'm not even talking about rollerblading, you know. I'm not talking about just the, you know, I'm talking about, they're called aggressive skates. Okay, not those little ones with the four and, you know, they have two, one on the back and you can slide down poles. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can jump up, you can kick people in the face with them. They're awesome. Aggressive, that's why they call them aggressive skates because you can find them, you know. And so listen, he was still doing all his tricks and he was doing all his stuff in the size sevens. He's a size 13, guys. He was, he was a little cramping his feet in there. And you could see him, poor guy, you can see him skating. He's doing all this stuff. He's kind of got this. Uh, uh. So he was excited when those new skates came in. And I'm going to show you a video. Now listen, this video is actually from the day that he got his size sevens. But this is also what it looked like for the most part when he got his 13s. Check this out. Listen to me. We were dead in our sin. Sin used to cramp our feet. 
You know what I'm saying? It restricted our ability to live and move and have our being in Jesus Christ. That's exactly what sin did. But now Romans 6, 11 tells me that I can consider myself dead to sin and alive in Christ. And is there really a better expression than someone that's been set free than what we just saw? The amazing canon. <laughs> Come on, guys. The sacramentums are meant to remind us that we got a new pair of skates. Picking up what I'm laying down. This is good stuff, you guys. Listen to me. I thought about this. We are all growing in Christ in this room. Now, I, I get that some are growing more than others, maybe even faster than others, because they're pursuing, they're pressing into God more than others. But every one of us, we are all growing in Christ, because you come and you hear amazing teaching every week. So you are growing in Christ, okay? Let's, let's just be honest, okay? So all of us are growing to some degree. So it makes no sense for any of us who've experienced even a moment of freedom to go and try to shove our 13s back in a size 7. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And yet that's what we do. That's our tendency. I want, you, I want us to look at Romans 6. It's going to be up on the screen because I want you to see these words. Romans 6, this is 1 through 7. I'm going to read all of it. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ... Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. La Navidad de Vida. The newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, this section of scripture is what um, preachers a lot of times will read or refer to during a baptism or when they're explaining baptism, they, they, you know, they say, hey, we are, when we are dunked into the water, it's like we are, we are saying we want to die to ourselves and our old life and we're being buried just like Jesus was buried. But just like Jesus rose from the grave, we're being pulled out of that water, a new creation in Christ Jesus, the power of his resurrection. We are proclaiming that, declaring that over our life. And it's a really pretty simple and clear explanation right there in Romans 6. I mean, you can, you can read it and you can be like, yeah, that's what that means. It's a pretty clear picture. Next week, I'm actually going to go deeper into that section of Scripture. But tonight, I just wanted to emphasize how important it is to embrace the transition from the old to the new. Let me say that again. We have to embrace the transition from old me to new me because it's not an easy transition. It's not an easy transition and you know it. Everyone in this room knows this is not an easy transition. I think God even shows us in scripture that as important and necessary as baptism is in the life of a believer, 
I think he wants us to understand that baptism tells the story of just how tough the transition from the old life to the new life is. And that's what I want to do for the rest of the time. I want to show you um, two pictures of water baptism in the Old Testament. Can I do that? And this isn't, this isn't rocket science tonight, so just, just hang with me. These are going to be familiar stories. Um, I want to show you two pictures of baptism in the Old Testament. And I'm actually going to use the New Testament to tell you those pictures because that's what Paul and that's what Peter does. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. And these guys were, you know, as messed up as we are. So he was preaching to them a lot. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. First thing he says, you got to get this. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under... Let's turn there. I want you to turn that. You are listening to me. I want you to see this. Turn there. This is 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to turn there. Sometimes I get going so fast and scripture up there, I'm just going and blowing. But I want you to see these two places. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians and we're also going to be in, uh, in 1 Peter. 1 Corinthians... Chapter 10, and I'm going to go ahead and start reading. You catch up when you get there. He says, I don't want you guys to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock, which followed him. It's interesting because you can see both sacraments in this scripture. Do you see that? It's interesting. We're just going to focus on baptism, but you can see them both right there. They all drank from the same spiritual drink, and they were all drinking from a spiritual rock, which followed them. Tradition says, what does that mean? Paul's talking about a tradition. The tradition was that, that the rock, you guys remember the, the, the rock that poured water out and was like, the, the tradition was that that rock actually followed them. In the King James Version, if you look at this scripture, the R is actually capitalized. Paul goes on and talks about the rock was Jesus. So the tradition, we don't read this specifically in, in the Bible, but Jewish tradition is that that rock, the big old rock, literally followed them through the desert, providing water for them. Come on, I'll make you get up again. Mm. Gosh, that's good. Where was I? Verse five, thank you. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Verse six, now these things happened. Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. So he's talking about baptism. He says, we got to get away from craving evil things. You can see right there, he's talking about the old and the new. Baptism, you hear what I'm saying? Because that's what baptism is about. It's about that transition from the old life to the new life. We don't want to crave evil things as they also craved. Okay, so the whole nation, get this. Paul, Paul's painting this picture of how the whole nation passed through the Red Sea. They witnessed God holding up that massive wall of water while they walked through the dry river bed. Okay? God was showing them his love, but he was also showing them his ability to bring them a new pair of skates. You with me? Is that, that too much? It was a picture of baptism out of the old and into to the new. And I also want you to think about this. 
the last moments before Israel was free from their oppressors, the last moments before their enemies were crushed under that water, they were free from their past, were painful, think about it, and they were scary as they passed through the Red Sea. It was painful because they had to walk for miles on the, on the bedrock of that Red Sea. How many of you guys know what it's like to walk in a pond or a river or, or something like that? There's sharp rocks and there's seashells and there's, you know, um, um, dinosaurs. There's all kinds of stuff that'll get you down there. You know what I mean? And so it was painful. But listen, it was also scary. Imagine walking down this thing. You're walking down the Red Sea. Pretend this is the Red Sea and there's just a wall of water as high as you can even see on both sides. And you don't know. I mean, you're hoping, but you don't know if that water's not going to come crashing down on you. It's a crazy scene. In fact, I want to show you. I have a video up here, too. I just love this scene. Shut the lights off. I just had to play this. It's important for us. Listen, that really happened. That event really happened. I loved it when, when their shoulders went. That's what it feels like. When the old me's gone. When your oppressors have been crushed by the Savior. If you've never felt that, that release of tension, you gotta get in on that. And it's so easy. By faith, you put your trust in Jesus. Life doesn't get easy. In fact, in some ways it gets harder because now I gotta become the new me. But it's worth it because the new me is a lot more fulfilled than the old me was. It's my testimony. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh, it's so, so good. It took faith for them to believe that they were gonna make it to the other side, that they were really gonna be set free. Did you see the guy that had the hand, the sand in his hand? And he it's like, is this for real? He had to touch his own freedom. But think of it, it was one more squeeze through that Red Sea. One more act of obedience. One more step of faith to go through that thing. This is just like baptism. God offers us his free gift of salvation. We apply the, the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of our heart. Remember we talked about how we're a house and we gotta put blood, apply his blood over our house. That's how salvation works through faith, trusting in, his, in the blood of Jesus. You can't have salvation without the blood. And then we got to get wet. We got to get in the water. Isn't that right? We have to. There's, we have to get wet. And then we have to let the world witness. Because this is part of what baptism is too. Letting the world witness how God crushed our oppressors and delivered us from that old land, that old life. And brought us into a new life. And that's what, you know, this event was famous around all the surrounding nations. What God did for Israel. And this is just one thing God did that Israel and God was famous for. The people knew about the Israelites and their God. That's what baptism is. It's also remembering that their old life was gone. 
who they were, what they used to do in Egypt. That was all history. All that was gone. It was removed. It's old news. Now all that was there was their new life. New life. Their old life was gone. Now all they had to do, think about this. Now all they had to do is learn how to live for the God that saved them. That's what it means to walk in the newness of life. I want to live my life for this, for this God that just brought me through this ocean. That just, that just crushed my oppressors. That's all they had to do is learn how to live for him. Now all I got to do is learn how to live for him. And you know, God knew that. That's why he gave them the law. Remember what it said right there in, in, in Corinthians? Our fathers were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses. What an interesting thing to say. All were baptized into motion. What, uh, Moses. What that means is that they were baptized into the covenant of Moses. Or the covenant that God made with Moses, the Mosaic covenant. They were baptized into the old covenant, what we know as the old covenant. They were baptized into that. And guess what? God knew that it was the same thing for us. That now all I got to do is learn how to live my life for the one who saved me. The rest of our life is about living my life for the one who saved me. Can I, can I say that again? The rest of my life is about learning to live my life for the one who saved me. And that's why he gave them the law. What did he give us? The spirit. What is the spirit? He's the comforter. He's the counselor. Scripture says that he's the one that guides us into all truth. You don't know? You don't get it? What do I do? How do I live? You open God's word and say, spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, Comfort me, counsel me. This is tough. I don't get it. But he comes and he fills us up, man. I love that. Let me show you one more picture of baptism. And this is in 1 Peter chapter 3. Okay, so turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. There's 1 Peter, there's 2 Peter. We're going to be in that first one. Chapter 3. Turn there. Anybody having fun yet? In 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 18. It says, for Christ also died for sins once for all. Okay, so we're already on cue, right? We're already on topic. Jesus died for sins. Okay, we already know we're in the right place. The just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamations to the spirit now, spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient. And then look what it says right here. When the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight people were brought safely through the water. The next thing he says in verse 21, corresponding to that baptism now saves you. Not that baptism saves you, but what baptism represents. You guys hear what I'm saying? That freedom, that old to new. It saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh. He's explaining what he means. But an appeal to God for a good conscience. I need a change. I don't want to think like it used to. I don't want a conscience that doesn't care if I'm doing this thing wrong. I want a conscience that now tells me, bro, this is leading nowhere. You're putting the seven back on. You know what I'm saying? We need a conscience that is saying, take off the seven. The seven hurts. The seven constrains. It restricts you from living and moving and having your being in him. 
That's what, that's what he's saying. That's Tony translation. Corresponding to that, baptism. In verse 20, he says, he says, who is at the right hand of God, Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers that have been subject to him. Okay, so this, it's the same thing here. Paul, uh, Peter is doing the same thing that Paul is doing. He saw what happened at the flood. It was a picture of sacramentums. It was a picture of really communion and baptism, right? God needed to judge wickedness upon the earth. So he graciously gave a way of salvation, the ark. And Noah was obedient to apply on the inside and the outside that pitch. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and listen to last week. I talked about the pitch. How through faith in the blood of Jesus, applying it or appropriating it to this house, that's when we are saved by grace, through faith. And then the water of the flood came upon the earth and it washed away wickedness from the world. And guess what? Humanity got a fresh start. Mankind got a redo. Mankind was offered the newness of life. Interesting, in, in Bible numerology, sometimes numbers have significant meanings uh, consistently through Scripture. And eight is actually the number for new beginnings or newness. God doesn't waste anything, does he? I love that. New life, fresh start. But it's also interesting that here in the last moments before the new life came for for Noah and his family, those last moments, there was a squeeze, right? There was a tight space inside that ark. It was not an easy transition. So it's the same thing, you know, that we saw for the people of Israel. 100 million people squeezed into the opening that God made in the Red Sea. There's this last squeeze, this final um, tight space. I'm just going to say it that way. What, What is that about? And I was just pondering that this week. What is that about? And I want you to think about this. Think about your decision to be baptized. Now, not everybody in this room has been baptized. And some of you, it's because of what I'm about to say. So listen up. Think about your decision to be baptized. I'm getting up in front of everyone and declaring to them, everyone who's watching, all the witnesses, that I am now going to walk in the newness of life. 100 people know that I am now serving Jesus and going to walk with him. That means that I should have every intention of doing that. And so the tension is... Am I ready to do that? Do you understand? Not, just give me, even if you don't understand, just make me feel better about what I'm doing up here. You'll just nod. Am I ready for the old me to become a dead me? And that's why I think it's very important, um, you know, that you're, you're baptized when you can understand that. I remember, I've told you this story before. I was baptized when I was nine. Dude, I was still a professional. You know what I mean? But I went to visit my mom one time, and she said, boy, you're going to get baptized. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know, because I was messed up. So she took me to this preacher at church and said, baptize this boy. And listen, all I remember is being there. I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, that dude grabbed my head and dunked me under that water. And I came up swinging I'm not even kidding. I think they thought they had just cast out a demon. I was like, what? I may have even said a few expletives. I was nine. I knew some stuff by then. You know what I mean? But then 10 years later, 
I came to know Jesus for reals. I didn't know anything at nine. I certainly didn't know about that decision to go from the old to the new, but at 19 I did. Now it's time for me to get baptized. But you've already been baptized, boy. It was time for me to be baptized. Because now I understood that the old me has to become a dead me or I'll never become the new me. Is everybody with me? There's a decision that we are faced with. Think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read that. Luke chapter 14, Jesus is he's talking to his disciples and he said, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit and calculate the cost to see if there is enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe begin to ridicule him, saying that this man began to build but was not able to finish it. Wow. Jesus is very own words. So the question is, um, let me, let me kind of come to a close here. Let me ask you some questions. Is becoming the new me worth the cost of putting to rest the old me? Let's sit on that for a second. Is becoming the new me, what is the new you? I don't know. You may not even know. You may have aspirations. What do you say that aspiration? You may want to be a certain thing or be a certain way. Maybe there's something in your life. You're like, I wish that was gone. I wish I didn't act like that or say those things. Or I wish I wasn't participating in that um, awful deed of darkness. Whatever it is, you know, you, you know that that's not good. And you know there's a new me, a better me available. But, but have you counted the cost yet? To decide whether or not the new me is worth the cost of laying to rest the old me. How many of you know funerals are expensive? I don't even know if that analogy made any sense. What wasn't in my notes. So disregard if it. it doesn't mean anything to you. But the question is, is becoming the new me worth the cost of laying to rest the old me? Think about Noah. Surely Noah was like, man, do I really want to spend months Locked up with a bunch of elephants who were pooping all over the place. Giraffes are so tall it could literally fall on my head. You know what I mean? Do I really want to potentially run out of food and be hungry for however long it's going to take for this ordeal to be over? And that's just Noah. There was eight of them going, what, what, what? Guys, we could just stay here. We could just stay here. What we could do is we could build a big wall, a big bubble, and maybe all the evil and wickedness won't get to us. That's not God's way. You got to pass through the water. Or what if, what if Moses and, and the people of Israel were like, man, that's a long hike, Moses. We know they've said stuff like that before. That's a long, dude, that's miles and miles and miles. And look how sharp those rocks are. We ain't got no shoes. And then us, we, we have our own reasons. We have our own reasons. Those costs that we really weigh. Do I really want to leave this life of sin behind? 
because it's still sweet in this season. Do I, do I really want to stop that, being that, doing that? Am I really ready to give that up? Do I really want to give up a certain friend or a certain group, maybe a job? I mean, there could be all kinds of things that you know are inserted into that thing. Do I really want to surrender to a call that God might have? Let me execute that word, might. Do I really want to surrender to the call that God definitely has? Because we've all been called. We've been created for good works in Christ Jesus. We have a purpose. I know the plans and purposes I have for you. Am I I really ready to surrender to that call in my life? Because it might be hard. And it might be uncomfortable. Listen to me, guys. Baptism. And really, I'm talking about salvation and following God in general. But baptism is, is about counting the cost. It's about deciding whether or not I want to engage in that transformation, that transition from the old me to the new me. You hear me? I read this from Spurgeon. I'm going to read it and then I have a couple questions and we'll let the Lord speak to us personally. Spurgeon said this about this First um, Peter chapter 3, Noah baptism thing. He said, Noah was not saved by the world's being gradually reformed and restored to its primitive innocence. In other words, it wasn't a gradual thing for God to to, um, save Noah. It took a sentence of condemnation. A sentence of condemnation was pronounced. The death, the burial, and the resurrection ensued. Noah had to go into the ark and become dead to the world. The floods must descend from heaven and rise upward from their secret fountains beneath the earth. The the ark must be submerged with many waters. Here was burial. And then after a time, see, transition. After a time, Noah and his family must come out into a totally new world of resurrection life. So a few questions. Listen, do you, let me ask this one first. Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be baptized? Well, how would I know? Well, I got two more questions. Has the old you become a dead you? Has the old you become a dead you? Are there still things in your life? And, and, and I get this. You know, this is kind of a, maybe a, a big, broad question, but, but think in the realm that I'm talking about tonight. Has the old you become a dead you? And the third question is, is are you desperate for the new you? Let's let those two questions answer the first. Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be saved? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you given him your life, given him your heart? Have you really done that? Have you counted the cost? Has the old you become a dead you? Have you started walking in the newness of life to become the new you? Do you need to be baptized? How do I know? Has the old you become a dead you? And are you desperate Maybe this is the real, real kicker here. Are you desperate to become the new you? 
Would you stand with me?